0: Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump on the podcast today and bring you up to speed with some little bit of research I've been doing. And thought y'all might find it interesting. So each year for our Understanding Bank Profitability program, I teach a portion that I call the Language of Banking that breaks down the bank's financial statements, ratios, capital And we wrap up with doing a SWOT analysis on the bank that we're looking at. Now, we call it Barrett Bank, and Barrett Bank is a real bank whose name has been changed to protect the innocent or the guilty, whichever way you want to look at it. But it's always very interesting to see our participants, some who've never really looked at a bank's financial statements, go from not understanding what NIM is to putting together some legitimately good swats around this, quote, hypothetical bank. Now, one of the things that I do for the class is, obviously, talk about peer groups. Now, if you're not a UBPR and FDIC data tools fanboy like I am, then let me explain the data that you get there. First, obviously, it's the information that banks have to send into regulators uh, in the call report. That information is laid alongside a peer group and the information from that peer group. And then you'll see a percentile ranking of the bank relative to their peers. And statistically, that's great information. But I found it really difficult, in my opinion, to really grasp the disparity in some of the data for some participants. So what I do is I take that peer group data and unwind the ratios around the average assets in that peer group to create the average bank within that group. In this case, I'm using peer group five, whose assets are between $300 million and a $1 billion. So... It's looking at all banks in the U.S. that fit in that ra- asset range. Then I compare that hypothetical Barrett bank uh, the, their ratios to average banks' ratios, and then use that for peer review. Again, is it the most statistically perfect method? You know, probably not. But saying that uh, a bank is 115% on the efficiency. Uh, 115% relative to peer on efficiency ratio seems to resonate better than saying that the bank is in the 95, 95th percentile, or whatever the equivalency is. Now, by doing it this way, I built up a five-year trend analysis for the average bank in peer group five, again, $300 million to a billion dollars in assets. And I thought for this episode, we could talk about what's going on in average bank, For reference, I'm going to put the ratio chart in the show page, so if you'd like to see the ratios over time for Average Bank and Peer Group 5, you can download it for yourself. And don't worry, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of numbers. I'm just going to talk about some trends and what I see going on. Likely, you're probably driving right now, and I don't need you falling asleep at the wheel by trying to keep up with asset utilization ratios. Drive carefully out there. So, starting off, we're seeing that yields, uh, yields continue to be trending kind of down, have been trending down over the last five years. Yes, you've got PPP and their lovely interest rates that's in that mix, and we've bounced back some, but over the past five years, yields are still down. But on the flip side, uh, cost of funds is down, uh, leading to slightly decreasing spreads and in net interest margin. So not as, not as sharp of a drop as yields, but down still. Uh, Loan-to-deposits is way down over the, uh, over the past five years, with deposits being up nearly 20% since 2018, and that's taking into account 2022. So naturally, with liabilities jumping up so high relative to slower growth in assets by comparison, our leverage ratios are higher, but on average, nothing too scary. However, I would imagine that as average bank is just that, an average, there may be some banks that are getting on up the stick relative to leverage. Uh, In terms of asset utilization, we're actually doing pretty good, as well as slimming down our efficiency ratios from the mid-60s to the low-60s. Non-interest expense is down some. Not a lot, but some, and my guess is that uh, personnel attrition is helping to move this, but that's really just a guess. Loan loss provisions are significantly down since 2020, and the five-year trend uh, is continuing to show the same thing. ROA is about where it almost always is, uh, for at least a while anyway, between one5 and 1%, but our shareholders are happy uh, with their increasing returns year over year. So here's what I'm seeing for Peer Group 5 and, con- and some concerns that may be unfounded, but there's some things I'd still keep an eye on. While yields are down from the high, they're bouncing back from 2021's lows. With interest rates rising, overall yields should continue. To rise, but there are a whole lot of loans that are getting ready to be a whole lot less profitable than they used to be as rates increase. And while the textbook answer is, you know, go make more variable rate loans in a rising rate environment, let's be honest here, how likely is that going to happen? That being said, as we're still flush with deposits, there's still plenty of cheap money to lend out. However, The low loan loan loss provision gives me some pause. Remember, this is peer group five. We're not talking about big banks here. So a whole lot of our expected payback on these loans are from a consumer and small businesses who are still feeling a good bit of uh, rising costs. And now I'm not advocating that we go load up loan losses for things that haven't happened yet. I am saying that we really need to be cautious about credit quality. And with mortgage rates still high, I wonder where that growth is going to come from. I don't know. I don't know that real estate is going to drive loan growth as it's done in the past. Now it'll certainly maintain its huge percentage relative to capital, but outright growth—I just don't know. I don't know. But here's probably the most technical part of this, and I'm sorry if you're driving and you get—I get—I lose you into weeds on this. But one of the things that always concerns, or really rather interests me, is community banks' reliance on non-interest income. Now, any way you look at it, from whatever size bank you want to look at, a huge chunk of net income comes from non-interest income. Honestly, I've seen some banks that if it weren't for non-interest income, they'd be operating at a loss. Now, let's look at net income as coming from two sources okay, non-interest income and what I'll call net business model income. And that's net, interest, that's net interest income minus non-interest expense. So what I'm calling net business model income is uh, the, net, the, the net interest income from the borrowing and lending of money, our main business, and paying the overhead. So that's what we're breaking down net income into our basic business model And non interest income. Okay, the only year in the past five that we had any positive year over year growth in net income, all right, so we made more money than we did last year, is when both non interest income and this net business model income were both positive. in terms of growth year over year. The point here is that in order to have a positive net income growth, both our basic business model and the non-interest income stuff has to grow. One can't slip and let the other one make up the difference. We've got to be looking at both our basic business model and the non-interest income in terms of making year over year growth in our bottom lines. So, that being the case, a couple of things that tells me a couple of things that I just kind of like to put it out there. Number one, continue to innovate. Look, there's plenty of podcasts of people out there talking about the importance of innovation, and it's 100% accurate. But let me challenge us to broaden our view of innovation to include all aspects of the efficiency ratio. Are there some processes within the bank's culture that can be fixed and made more efficient? And by culture, what I mean is the way things get done around the bank. Might that process be able to be moved to a fintech partner? Sure, it absolutely might. It might be better done um, efficiently and with better data at a fintech partner. Not doubting that, but let's be honest here. How many processes within your bank could be done just by doing something different with what you already have. Is that gonna move the needle? Maybe, it might, might not, but I would, offer, I would offer up to you that an attitude of innovation like this will turn loose the creative minds of your people to find efficiencies that will absolutely start to move the needle in positive directions. Number two, along those very lines, NSF fees are likely to be coming under fire in the next year or so. So ask yourself, how reliant is your non-interest income on NSF and overdraft fees? That's a simple ratio to calculate that you can look up in your general ledger. But when you do that, stress the impact that a significant hint to those fees are on your bottom line. And as an editorial note... Uh, I just recorded, today is February 23rd. We just recorded our compliance roundtable with Sean Harms. There are some considerable changes already being talked about, particularly around representment fees, um, that uh, regulators are already starting to really hit home on refunding. A large look back period. I don't want to go on the record, it may be different for your bank, but it's a large look back period on this. Um, it's coming and it's quite frankly, it's here. Stress your non-interest income. Stress that and as a as a and stress its impact on your bottom line. It, it, it's already something that we need to, to have been doing yesterday. As a result. Number three, and this is more for frontline bankers, but quite frankly, it's also a challenge to management as well. Understand the importance of the fees that banks charge. Yes, NSF fees are coming under fire, but shareholders still demand a solid return. And don't forget, their return has been increasing over the past five years. Now, look, I've been, at the, I've been on the front line, I've been in the branch. I know the temptation to refund overdrive fees, to make yourself feel better, help the customer. I, I know. But in the coming months, it's going to have a large impact on your bank's profitability. Look, lenders, it's really easy in a competitive situation to start waiving fees on our loans. But along the very, th- those very same lines about innovation, could we get a little bit more innovative in how we price and structure deals? I'm betting so, and I'm betting that we can do it without as deep of an impact as it would have by waiving fees and impacting non-interest income. Number four, hot money. I've heard stories from bankers in the field, and I can completely see this, uh, heard stories from bankers in the field that within five minutes of the Fed's rate moving rates up, phone calls started coming in trying to get more money on their CDs and other accounts. Funny how that didn't happen on loan customers. But, and again, if you've been in a branch, you, you totally see this. While cost of funds is still down over five years, NIM and the overall spreads are down as well, too. Deposit pricing strategies are important. And let's be honest, we don't really need the money. Average bank is 70% loan to deposits. Now, if you don't need the money and... The overall relationship doesn't really require that deposit. I have to wonder about the sense in paying for deposits that we don't need. <laughs> I knew a bank president would be presented with a standard, well, the other bank down the street is paying or charging on their loans some percentage rate that's better. He'd say, whew, that's a good deal. I think I'd take it. <laughs> you know, and about half the time, the money would still stay with the bank. But the other times, the bank down the street would have to pay more for the deposit. Again, I've been there. Sometimes an overall relationship demands that you keep the deposit, and there's a whole lot of sense in not letting the competition get their hooks into some of your customers. I understand. But there's also a lot of times that it makes a whole lot of sense to blink first and let the other bank pay more. So let's use our heads Let's have a good sense of our financials, and that goes for your frontline people too, that they need to understand the impact uh, of what we're talking about here and the financial environment in which we're working, okay? And let's have, a good, let's have a good sense of that as well as a good sense of the overall relationships that we have and want to keep and want to grow uh, given the environment or the community in which we operate. There are still a lot of unknowns out there in the economy. And as you know, rising rates does not always equal more money for banks. So that's my take for whatever it's worth. I think we're going to be in for quite a ride for the next two years. It's going to take some creative thinking in order to thrive. But I mean, you know, that's kind of what we do, right? We're a scrappy bunch and really we're good at what we do. We're really good at what we do. I'm not too worried overall about community banking survival or our role in the overall economy. These are just some things that I saw in doing this type of trend analysis, the way I set up peer review that I wanted to bring out there and and put out there. So y'all just keep on trucking. We here at Baird are going to be here to support you along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to uh, working with you and uh, appreciate your time. Take care. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.